your fellow redeemed. We consider especially um, our gospel acclamation in the light of everything else. All that to say, today we celebrate the presentation of the Augsburg Confession, June 25th of 1530. And I didn't change the readings at all from the ones that would normally be coming up here for whatever day we are after Pentecost, because they seem to fit even better than the set of Augsburg Confession readings. And so you think to yourself, well, Pastor Hagen, Augsburg Confession, um, almost 500 years ago, if God permits me to live, you know, another seven years, then we'll celebrate the 500th anniversary of that, too. And, um, and that, the kind of official birthday of the Lutheran Church. And there's really probably one name you need to know, and that's Emperor Charles V. Emperor Charles V, probably like most other politicians, he, he knew that he was in charge, but that the people he was in charge of might throw him out. And so Emperor Charles V said, well, I need to keep the people safe, I need to have some unity in the empire, and I'll use every lever that I've got to make sure that happens. And the biggest lever that he has he is, after all, the emperor of the Holy Roman Emperor Empire. He had been crowned by the Pope himself. And he looks around and he says, Time out, there is a massive Turkish army encroaching from the east. And I need to rally an army here to keep the people safe so I can keep my job. But there's this little group of pesky Germans who are creating division on the religious side, and it's making some headaches for me. That's basically it. He said, if we can just get everybody to come together and sit down and we'll talk about it, then we'll all agree to disagree, but at least keep it to ourselves, and it's not a big deal, and let's get on with life because we have more pressing issues like this army that's going to invade from, um, from the Baltic states and from Eastern Europe. And so he said, simply enough, just give me your confession, tell me, tell me what your demands are, and I'll mediate the whole thing. That's basically it. And the people who wrote this confession that we know as the Augsburg Confession, they were also the people who elected Charles to be em emperor. And so they had a little bit of political clout for themselves. And all throughout, you could see that Charles V, who has this Roman Catholic um, vested interest politically, as well as Roman Catholic faith, that Charles V says, if I can just give them to get, give up a little bit, if I can get them to give up just a tiny little bit, then it'll all be good. And they tried. And the Lutheran lay people, the electors, the politicians, and the people in the pew, commissioned this, this statement. And one man signed at the bottom, the Elector of Saxony, John Frederick. And then all the other Germans signed on as well. And it just goes point by point. We believe, teach, and confess. We believe, teach, and confess that what we are doing is in line with the Word of God. It is in line with what the Church has always done. And therefore, we have a right to exist. That if the Roman Catholic Church wants to reconcile with us, then they need to do so on the basis of the Word of God, because this is where we believe, teach, and confess. And 
It's that question of confession. Because you and I, we, we have the statement of belief. Whether it's the Augsburg Confession, we have statements of belief like the Apostles, Nicene, and Athanasian Creed. We have these statements of belief that we believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty. We have these statements of belief that the pastor hopefully teaches in, in, our, in our Sunday morning Bible class, Friday Bible class, and our catechism classes. This is what we teach. But the question, and really the friction, comes to that point of confession. We believe, teach, and confess. Because that's what Paul talks about to young Pastor Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. There will come a time when people will not put up with sound doctrine and they will turn aside to myths and gather about themselves teachers who will give them whatever their itching ears want to hear. And most of the time when that comes up, it's hand wringing and sky is falling and people just don't want to go to church anymore. And what can we do, Pastor? These are the end times because people don't put up with sound doctrine. That's where I've heard that passage used most often. And it stands in stark contrast to the theme of the Augsburg Confession, Psalm 119. I will speak of your testimony before kings, and I will not be put to shame. Do you see the tension? The pull? We believe, teach, and confess these things point by point. There will come a time when people will not put up with sound doctrine. And that that the time is today for the Christian church, the Lutheran church, to always make a confession. That's why we are called Lutherans. That's why we are called confessional Lutherans, that we, that we make confession of what we believe, teach, and confess. And I was thinking about this, and, um, and I started ruminating about a number of discussions I've had over the last 12 years in probably four different churches, maybe five. And I wonder, where is the church of the Augsburg Confession? Take, for instance, a few of my favorite statements I've heard over the last 12 years, most of these multiple times at multiple different churches. You're young enough to be, to be my grandson. What gives you the right to say? True, you're old enough to be my grandfather. That doesn't change what I'm saying. Pastor, God understands my needs and he knows where I'm coming from. I know that church is important, but my grandchild just made the traveling team and they're only young for only so long. I prayed about it and God said it's okay. I don't know why you're still talking about it. It's between me and God. Oh, how is Pastor so-and-so doing? I babysat his kids. My parents were charter members. My great-great-grandparents were charter members. How long have you been here now? Yeah. I know that church is important, but the school year was so busy, we just need some downtime. I'll see you in September, maybe. Well, I go to that church, but I don't really believe what that church says. Oh, oh. <laughs> and you're perfect? Come back when you are, and then you can talk to me. You say it's wrong. I don't care what you say. And it's that tension. 
And there will come a time when people will gather around themselves all sorts of teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. There will come a time when people will gather around themselves all sorts of podcasts that affirm whatever they want to believe, all sorts of friends that tell them that it's not a big deal, all sorts of government officials who say, don't worry about it, life is fine, look the other way, nothing to worry about here, nothing to see. And the attitude of those German lay people who came and met at Augsburg, who said, well, Emperor Charles V, as the guy stood up to read it, and Emperor Charles V says, just sit down, just hand it to me, and, and we'll move on. And his response was, I would rather you cut off my head than I be silent today. And the emperor kind of stammers out in his broken German, no, no, no cut off head. Go ahead and read. And where is the Church of the Augsburg Confession? Because it's not just the, the grand and great and massive moments of history that talk about making a confession of faith to say that this is what we believe, this is what you and I believe, teach, and confess. Not just what we say we believe, but actually what we believe. Not just what we say we believe, but to put it into practice and to think carefully about this. To think carefully, how can I confess my faith most clearly and how can I do so in a world that has quickly changed? Quickly changed from um, being elitist about ideas. We'll talk about this this Sunday morning Bible class. A world that has changed from being elitist about ideas, which is basically saying that some ideas are better than others, to saying that all ideas have equal value and merit. And by its very nature, confessing the faith says, here is something better. And here is something better on which I am willing to stake not just my life, my relationships, my livelihood, but my eternity. Do you see the points of confession in your own life? And I ask, where is the Church of the Lutheran Confession? Is it gathered when we hopefully hit 40% of our total membership in worship on any given Sunday? and say, hey, that's a pretty good Sunday. Where is the Church of the Lutheran Confession? The Augsburg Confession? Is it um, when we got 15%, maybe 18% of our membership in Bible class on any given week? And I wonder, and what does Jesus say, even on top of that? He turns. You know, when Jesus spoke this gospel lesson 2,000 years ago, it was before the Renaissance, it was before the Reformation, it was before the Augsburg Confession, it was before the Enlightenment, before um, the 60s. He said that he had come not to bring peace but a sword. He said that because of his name, people will despise you, hate you, speak ill of you, betray you to death. He said, 2,000 years ago, before any of what we call uh, the United States of America was even a dream in Alexander Hamilton's eye, he said, there will come a time when you will have to flee from place to place in order to survive the persecution, and God grant the grace and the grit to, to endure to the end. 
And when he says that part about enduring to the end, he isn't talking about simply holding up and making a fortress so that you can defend yourself. What he was talking about is God grant us the grace and the grit to endure to the end in this confession. Because he who endures to the end will be saved. Not he who lives through the persecution will be saved, but he or she who holds to this confession will be saved. Where is the Church of the Augsburg Confession? And we look and we say, well, it's not for me. Because if it were only up to me, it would just be a, a personal axe to grind. And I would take offense when somebody says any of these dozen of things that I've heard over the last dozen of years and just put it on repeat and say, all right, that's what drives me because I got to stick it to the man and I am right and they are wrong and they need to hear it. That's not confession. Where is the church of the Augsburg Confession? <laughs> to say that, well, you know, Pastor Hagen, it's all about the gospel. And so what we really need to do is, um, let's get to that because this is making me very uncomfortable. It's making me uncomfortable too. <laughs> but it's a burning question that Jesus asks. And he puts the nail on the head. Verses 32 and 33. Everyone who confesses me before others, I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before, before others, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. And when he says that, it opens up the door just a crack for us to understand what this confession is. Not just a list of do and don't, and my church does this and my church doesn't do that. And it's not just a list of rules and morals as if it were simply some ethical construct, ethical um, proposal for us to uh, adhere to or you know, go somewhere else if we don't like it. That the Church of the Augsburg Confession and the confession that we have every single Sunday in whatever form it takes presupposes that when you say these things that you are in agreement with them. That when you say, I confess that I've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. I confess that this is the true Christian faith, and whoever um, believes apart from this cannot be saved, so help me God. Amen. I, I believe. And I presuppose, I suppose that when you say those words, that those words have sunk into your heart, that you've per permitted a little bit of thought about it, and to say, am I willing to confess this? And together with that, do I have questions about what we believe? Do I have questions? And new questions that have come up. Because there's so much confusion on what to do, how to live one's life, and quite frankly, um, there are times when I you know, pick, pick that particular cashier at Whole Foods simply because they are nice and bubbly and warm and outgoing and there's no Christianity in their life at all. And by comparison, some of the things that Christians have said, it's like, why would anyone be and confess the Christian truth? I mean, that's why, you know, here's the, the, the sidebar. That's why we have a Q&A Sunday and we'll have as many as you want. To say, you know, if you have a question about what we believe, or if you think that your mind has changed about why we believe what we do, or about how we ought to apply these things in a changing world, then speak up about it. That's part of your confession, too. 
to ask, Pastor, why do we believe this? Not simply to say, well, I have a Bible on my shelf and um, I want to do something different, but rather to say, this is what we believe, teach, and confess. This is what we believe. So let your pastor teach it if you have a question so that we can confess it together. Because you notice what Jesus says? He leads with, he leads with that blessing, verse 33. Everyone who confesses me before others, I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. And in the myriad of relationships, in the myriad of circumstances that, um, that you find yourself, where you find yourself having the ability or the responsibility to make a confession by what you say or make a confession by what you do, and it's always difficult to say, how do I navigate this middle line to portray my Jesus as loving as he is without detracting from the law that he states? But even before you get to that, verse 32, that blessing. Everyone who confesses me before others, I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. That Jesus wants to encourage Christian confession. That we know not just what we believe, but why. That Jesus wants to encourage Christian confession because that's what he uses to build his church. And that church will not be overcome by Satan himself. Even if that church may crumble and fall in one area, because Jesus has never promised that any particular steeple will stand until the day of judgment, but he has promised that his church will stand. And the one who endures to the end will be saved. The one who believes, holds to the teaching, confesses this truth, will be saved. And to think of that, that when Counselor Brick, I think was his name, stood up to read and he said, basically, well, if you don't want to let me read about this, then, um, then you can take my head. You can either take my head or take my confession. It's a coin flip for me. Because he said, I have something of so much greater value. I have a Jesus who has promised that I will not be put to shame. And so do you. You have a Jesus who has promised that you will not be put to shame because this Jesus, this Jesus encourages Christian confession. And to think of that day, when the skies rip open and Jesus calls you up before all people in that timelessness of the last day, and he says, this Christian, this person, they counted the cost of what their confession would take. They put up with the rejection or the persecution, but they didn't back down from giving me glory in front of those who hated them. Where is the church of the Christian confession? Where is the church of the Augsburg confession? And this we believe, teach, and confess? Dear friends, it's here. Where Jesus is. Where Jesus encourages Christian confession that to say, dear Christian, you have more in the life to come than you could ever imagine this side of heaven. So, talk about it. Amen. <laughs>